Hello and welcome back to Allegheny FM. In this episode, I sit down with Angie Winter. Angie is a senior high performance consultant at Higher Echelon. We talk about Angie's background, mental toughness and its misconceptions, parallels between sport and business, how you should start each day, how you can build mental toughness, and who should consider this as a career path. Episode supported by Higher Echelon. Visit higherechelon.com for more info. Well, everyone, welcome back to Allegheny FM. I'm joined today by Angie Winter. She is a senior high performance consultant at Higher Echelon. Angie, thanks for joining me. Thanks so much for having me, Franklin. Uh, if you wouldn't mind giving the viewers and the listeners how you ended up at Higher Echelon. Um, Again, you're a high-performance consultant. Uh, kind of go into what that means and kind of what you do. Sure. It's kind of a long story, but I'll keep it brief. So my background is actually in sport and performance psychology. I did my master's, my PhD in that. And I thought that I wanted to work with athletes, teams, coaches, and teach them sport psychology, skills and tools, really to help them to be their best on a more consistent basis by incorporating and integrating mental skills. And I started off my career in sports psychology. So I worked at University of Georgia, and then I got a really interesting position at the U.S. Military Academy at West Point. And at West Point, I I worked with some of the cadet athletes, but I also worked with cadets that were struggling from a military or a academic perspective. So what I saw there was, that these skills and tools don't just apply to athletes. It's really broader than that. And throughout my time there, you know, it was, it was really fun. It was exciting. I'm always learning something new. And, and I even had some of the cadet athletes come back after their graduation and say, hey, I'm using this stuff now more than ever that I'm out in the operational army. And so from there, I just, I knew that there was something more than sport. I love sport. I always will. But there was just something more. So I ended up partnering up with Higher Echelon um, for a couple of years as a contractor and worked on a big government contract with uh, Eric Bean, who's another one of our colleagues. And with this contract, I was working with people in, in the workforce. And so I was sharing some of the same tools that I would share with athletes. And what a, the feedback I was getting was, oh, my gosh, like this concept of mindfulness, this is going to change my life. And that level of feedback really hit me hard. And so really was enjoying what I was doing with Harashan. There was an opportunity when we had another large government contract uh, that hit. To, for them to bring me on full time, and so they did that, and I've been here ever since. What um, like how would you explain mental toughness? Um, I think they're probably even for me. Like when you hear that, I probably have some misconceptions of what mental toughness is. I think um, the first thing that I can think of is kind of, I guess I want to say ignoring your emotions or feelings like be mentally tough and you know push through it but is that is that wrong Uh, I'm assuming it's wrong (laughs) well I would say you hit on probably one of the biggest misconceptions 
<laughs> that mental toughness is about toughing it out, you know, figuring out how to get through it no matter what. And really what I teach are the mental, emotional, psychosocial principles to help yourself to process and understand what's happening in a better, more efficient way so that you can perform at your best on a more consistent basis. So we have all these things that are constantly bombarding us. And whether those external, those things are external, like distractions and stressors, demands, um, threats even. So we've got all of those things externally that are coming at us. And then we also have internal ones. So we have all of our thoughts, all of our worries, all of our fears, all of our doubts. And those, all of those things not only are mental and emotional, but they create physical challenges for us as well. The more stressed out we are, the more anxious we are, probably the more tense we are as well. But we don't think about how the body and the mind are interconnected. And we, you know, we might try something. And then if we that doesn't work to help manage the stress, you know, we might try something else. But Typically, people aren't really attacking the problem. And so I like to approaching from both a, a physiological and a cognitive uh, perspective so that we're, we're addressing both sides. So the people are probably trying to fix the symptom, not the source. That a phrase exactly. people use. <laughs> exactly. Not to, not to act like I sound no medical terms. <laughs> uh, nope, you're, you're hitting it right on. And I'd say one other misconception is that you know, anything to do with psychology, it, it means that I'm messed up and, you know, I need to go, go see a shrink or go um, to therapy. And what I love about sport and performance psychology is that it's, it's much further on the other side of the continuum of health where we're doing really well, we're functioning, but we're trying to be even better. And so everybody has normal everyday stress, maybe even anxiety, um, work stress, life stress. And so all of us can really use a little bit of help. And that help doesn't have to be talking to somebody. It could even be, you know, going to a workshop or reading about, you know, what are some tools or strategies that I can put into place that are going to help me to manage things more effectively? You brought up books and I, I love to read. Uh, do you have any re quick off the top of your head? Do you have any book recommendations? I've got so many. I need um, <laughs> category, a category. <laughs> mm. I love yeah, books that's too. That's a good one. Um, <laughs> we'll come back to that. Uh, you had mentioned you got, you started off in sports and then now you're kind of in the business world. Uh, are there big differences between the two? Uh, are they kind of parallel in a sense? Um as far as mental performance, you know, getting the best out of each day, like you had said? Yeah, I mean, I think there's so many parallels. And that's what's been so fun about my kind of transition or evolution to the business world from the sports world is that performance really is performance, whether it's on the athletic field, or it's at our in our office, or as you know, we're presenting, or, you know, doing a proposal, anything like that. Um, I think some of the biggest differences are the consequences and, and that absolutely applies across military as well, because, you know, working at West Point, 
the cadets were, they were preparing for combat operations and teaching them skills and tools that they can use on the battlefield is a complete different mentality and perspective than the basketball court. Basketball court is still extremely important. And, you know, that's where many of their passions were. And, you know, they had a lot of goals to reach there. But the consequences of winning and losing were very different. And so I really see sport as kind of a laboratory where we can play around and try things out. And, you know, and I think that goes for all of us in any of the activities that, that we like to do, even if, you know, you think about if you like to walk, if you like to hike, we can use our, our mental skills and tools to practice there and and really find something that's like a solid game plan, a solid process that we can use so that when the consequences are higher, that we we have a plan to go to, you know, in moments of adversity and and challenge. How uh, important do you think the first part, like the first 30 minutes to an hour when you wake up? Um, I read something the other day where, uh, this entrepreneur was saying, you know, the first 30 minutes of his day is the most important. He kind of, he doesn't look at his phone. He doesn't get on like his businesses. He really uses that first 30 minutes to meditate and kind of like get in the right state of mind to attack the day. Basically. Uh, would you agree with that? Is that something that you teach or have come across? It's not something I specifically teach, but I do agree that the, how we start our day is important because that it sort of sets the tone. And if we wake up and our mindset is focused on, you know, how bad of a night sleep we got or how uh, our body's feeling and it's not good or, you know, worry or dread about what's to come that day, then what, what happens is we sort of seek out assurance on whatever our mindset is. So if, if we've already labeled the day as today's going to suck, then we're constantly looking for little things that agree with us that, yep, today does in fact suck. Mm. Versus if we set the intention on our day right off the bat of, hey, what, what opportunities can I face today? What are, what are some of the great things that can happen today? It really sets your day up in a very different way um, so that we're, we're really looking for the positives and, and the opportunities we have instead of, you know, knowing that there's going to be bad things that are, are coming. I guess where I'd be a little different in what uh, that entre- entrepreneur discussed is I think we can change it at any time. Hmm. So let's say we start the day off and it kind of goes downhill and, you know, things are not going well. It's all about awareness. And if I can catch it, I can catch myself saying, oh, today, today really sucks or I can't believe this is happening. If I catch that, then I can do something about it. And so, you know, maybe my process is that I recognize that it's happening. I take a really good deep breath or maybe five. And then I set a new intention. So here's here's how I'm going to turn this day around. You know, I don't think we just have one chance to get it right. We have we have many chances, but we have (laughs) to be aware that we're doing it. That's a good point. I think as you were um explaining it, I was thinking about um, the term 
self-fulfilling prophecy where like you had said, like if you're in a state of mind, you're going to search out things to reaffirm like, Oh yeah, this does, um, this does suck. And this is why, look, I can prove it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, what, what other advice do you have for somebody that's trying to build mental toughness? I think what you had said is a piece of that being able to recognize your mental, um, state where you're, you know, looking for negative things or, um, Mm -hmm having a bad day. What, what other um, advice do you have for building mental toughness? Sure. So I think one of the really important pieces is understanding what we're focusing on. Focus really integrates into a lot of different areas in terms of mental toughness, because what we're choosing to put our focus on, and I'm very intentional about how I describe that, is is what we're bringing into our our mind and and our body really and so if we're choosing to allow all these distractions to come in then we're not going to be focused and so many of us have just extremely busy work days and a lot of competing tasks and and different demands and I think that pretty much most of us are are really bad at at navigating that smoothly and so it's the way that the brain works is that we really only can focus 100% on one thing. And if we're trying to multitask and we're trying to do multiple things at the same time, we're, we're going to start making mistakes and our efficiency goes way down. Because we can't multitask. What we can do is shift. But even if I'm shifting, okay, I'm typing an email, I'm answering a, a Teams chat, I'm working on a proposal, and... Um, on a video call. <laughs> like we're really not doing any of those things well. And if we're shifting between all of them, it's going to take us so much longer to get any of them done instead of be on the video call. Okay. When it's over now, answer the IM when they were done with that, answer the email. And when we're done with that, you know, so if we do things a little bit more systematically, give full focus to each one, we can be so much tougher because we don't have, you know, we're not being pulled in all these directions all at the same time and almost feeling like a victim to what's happening to us instead of being a proactive, um, you know, just like I'm in charge. I get to control myself and my time and here's how I'm going to do it. Okay. So I think that's a big one. I like what you said. It reminded me, um, there's a guy named Cal Newport. He, he, mm-hmm. um, has this book called deep work and what you had said about switching what people don't realize. Cause a lot of people think that they can multitask. Um, according to him, like it creates a, like a mental hangover. Like if you're on a video call mm-hmm. and then you switch over to do emails, so like your brain can't, uh, it doesn't move that fast, even though your brain is very powerful, but um, mm-hmm. that's awesome. That's, that's great advice. Uh, yeah, that's a great book to recommend too. <laughs> <laughs> I love Cal Newport. Uh, do you, yeah, and I, would, could, I could give you a whole bunch of other skills and tools yeah. as well. <laughs> um, but I think focus is just one that, that we all need right now um, with all of the demands of work. And I think in our, our remote virtual environment, it's almost gotten a little worse. And hmm. the other thing that we are expecting ourselves to do is just go from call the call the call the call the call without really ever decompressing and when we do that the way that stress builds 
is it just keeps adding, 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 adding. And then at some point, we're going to fall off the, the metaphorical stress cliff because we've gotten, we've reached overload. And, you know, what we need to do is just be cognizant of it, be aware of it, and have a little tiny bit of decompression time in between things. So even if in between our meetings, we don't have time to, to go walk around and, you know, take a nice meditative walk outside, that's, that's okay. We can take one or two good deep breaths. You know, maybe we stand and stretch in between meetings. Maybe, you know, we do a quick check-in of our tension and do a, a squeeze and release on our shoulders. So we're not just accumulating that stress all day and end the day kind of all hunched over and body feels like crap, mind feels like crap, and, you know, we feel exhausted. How, what would you recommend for somebody that may be listening or watching that say, Angie, I think what you do is awesome. Uh, it sounds interesting. Who would you recommend like your career path? Cause you said it's not, wasn't linear. Like you started off in sport and you kind of, I think what a lot of people don't understand is like, I mean, that's how people's careers work. Like things come mm -hmm. in and you move in and out of different roles and things like that. But as far as the role you're in now, what would you recommend? Um, I guess the type of personality that somebody that would enjoy what you do. I think one of the most important pieces is wanting to help people. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's not a, it's not just a sit behind your desk and crunch numbers kind of job. Um, and, and not that there's anything wrong with that, but it's really about talking to listening a lot, understanding people and I can have my agenda and what I want to teach, but if that's not what the individual or the group that I'm working with needs in the moment, I've got to be able to shift. So I think a lot of it from a personality perspective is that flexibility and willingness to shift to somebody else's needs. Interesting. Angie, this was great. I think uh, you gave a lot of good um, things for people to think about. Uh, do you have any, uh, last second advice for somebody, uh, maybe something that they're going to take with them. Uh, if they're watching or listening, what, what's your one last piece of advice? Ooh, good one. So I'd say from a one last piece of advice standpoint, if this is something new and something, you know, you're just starting to, to investigate and peel back the layers on, I think, you know, as I mentioned, awareness is the first step. And the more aware we are of ourselves and the things that we're doing to really set ourselves up for failure versus success are incredibly powerful and important. And so the way that we can open our awareness is pause more, reflect a little bit, and do a little bit of introspection and thinking about, you know, how am I handling things? How do I handle stress? How do I handle adversity and challenges? You know, what are my, my go-to resilience techniques? And, and if you're struggling to answer some of those questions, that's okay. Maybe sit down with a trusted friend, um, a spouse, a, you know, somebody that is willing to give you honest answers and, you know, peel back the layers a little bit. I think that's a, it's an awesome place to start. And from there, there's so much we can do. So once we're aware, now we know, hey, these are the areas that I can get better in. And even if we already have a good start, that's great. But let's let's continue to even get better. So, but we've got to start with being aware and and you know investigating a little bit about ourselves.
Thanks again, Angie. This was great. Absolutely. Happy to be here. Happy to be a resource for you. And uh, yeah, let me know if there's anything else you need.